Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance, episode 119. And in this episode, we'll explore the cost of owning a pet, mainly a dog and a cat. And thank you to Nick, who suggested this topic. If you have any topics you want me to discuss, shoot me a Facebook message or tweet me at Devraga. I'm also on LinkedIn. For those of you that are new to the channel, there are three main aims. The first aim is to be educated. To be educated means to improve your financial literacy so that you can be empowered, which is the second aim. And being empowered means you can take that knowledge to your financial advisor, accountant, tax planner, or financial planner, and speak at a level that you can understand it. And the third E is to be entertained. Just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Please make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make after listening to one of my episodes back to your credentialed advisors. But if you're stuck on what to do in terms of basic principles, here are some simple steps to get you on the right track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow. Step one is you got to pay yourself first. You are the most important person in your life. Take at least 20% of your after-tax money and put it aside. That's your money, never to be touched ever again. Step two is you've got to invest that money, ideally into something you understand or want to understand. For me, I understand the stock market and index funds and I just buy index funds. Step three is reinvesting those dividends. Make sure that you take advantage of the power of compounding. It's phenomenal. Step four is you've got to do it for the long term. Now, I'm not talking seven, 10, or even 15 years. I'm talking 20, 30, if not 40 plus years. Of course, the longer you do it, the better it is for you, which means the earlier you start, the better it is for you. And step five is wherever possible, automate these steps as much as possible and do it forever. If you do these five simple steps, you're more likely to have more money than you'll ever need. Money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, the lives of people around you a lot better. Now, before we discuss the main topic of owning a pet and its associated costs, I have a question from Ray's who asks, Hi Dev, big fan of your podcast, It's helped me learn so much about finance, and I was hoping to get your opinion on my situation. I'm a fellow GP currently working in a rural area. My plan is to get back to the metro areas in about two to three years' time. I have an investment property currently being fully tenanted. The interest rate is approximately 3%, principal and interest. I don't own a principal place of residence yet, but aim to get back to Melbourne and hopefully own a property in the metro area. I have a 50% savings rate, and I have approximately $240,000 saved up. 
currently sitting in the offset of my investment home loan. I'm 30 years old. My question is, should I take a portion of my savings and start investing into broadly diversified ETFs or leave the savings where it is and just start fresh by putting majority of my upcoming savings into broadly diversified ETFs? I have a five-figure per month savings amount. Now, that's a pretty good question, Ray. So let's break it down a little bit. Primarily, the question revolves around should you touch your current savings, which is being offset against your investment property, and put it all into ETFs, or just save up new money or more money in the future and invest that amount into ETFs? Now, $240,000 is a nice sum which you've saved early in your life. And your biggest advantage is your incredible savings rate. So if it was me, and I'm not a financial advisor, so please take this as comment, but if it was me, I would just leave the money in the offset account. Now granted, you are reducing your deductible debt, but the behavior is more important. And that money is always going to be available for you to take and perhaps contribute to a deposit to buy your principal place of residence in three years' time. Now, it's just easier, in my opinion, to save any new money and invest it for the long term into broadly diversified ETFs or whatever stocks that you might want to purchase, which you understand it. Remember, investing is all about investing in things that you understand. Whatever you do, I would not take your savings and invest it all into the stock market if you need that money, especially in the next two to three years time to buy the home of your dreams. Now, if your savings rate is five figures per month, say $10,000 per month, in 24 months by the time you buy your first home, you will have $240,000 in ETFs saved up. Now, I did some basic sums. If you just invested $10,000 per month into an ETF and just average return of 8% per annum for about 10 years starting today, assuming a 0.2% expense ratio, you will end up with $1.8 million when you reach the age of 40. But here's where the real money is going to be made. Supposing you stopped investing at age 40 and let the ETF do its thing, by the time you turn age 67, wait for it, you would have about $13.7 million in that ETF portfolio. But here's the kicker. You will probably have an investment property on top of that, or multiple. You'll also have your principal place of residence on top of that, which you would have bought. You'll probably have superannuation on top of that. And this assumes you never get a pay rise ever again. So, Raze, the path for you to becoming a multimillionaire is real, is shockingly simple, and you just follow a simple plan. Well done on the incredible savings rate you've achieved so far. You just need to work hard for perhaps another 10 years or so, and I think you're literally done saving. Just to make things a little bit more interesting, I did some more sums for you, and I assumed after 10 years, you reduced your monthly input into the ETF to just $5,000 per month. And this means you'll end up with almost, wait for it, $20 million in your ETF portfolio, excluding your super, excluding your principal place of residence, and excluding your investment property. And you know, if I'm half wrong, 
you just need to slum it on $10 million. So, so be it. I hope this clarifies your answer and thanks for the question. If you're listening and want your question answered live, just contact me by Facebook or tweet me or DM me and I will certainly include it in one of the future episodes. So thank you very much, Ray, and I hopefully you will follow a very simple plan and hopefully things work out for you, mate. And uh, really looking forward for you to achieving your dreams of financial independence, hopefully in the next 10 years. Now to the main topic, the cost of pet ownerships. Now, we're looking at getting a pet myself and my family, hopefully in the near future. We're not ready for it just yet because of the young kids, but doing some sums and also looking at certain breeds of dogs as well. We're mainly looking at dogs um, because the family don't like cats and we're not into birds. So for this episode, I've just taken into account mainly dogs and cats and nothing more. Now, if you have some exotic animals or want to get some exotic animals, then the cost may vary So you may want to do your own calculations and personal research. Firstly, the cost of actually owning a dog. Now, during COVID, which is unfortunately in Victoria still going on, we're in lockdown 4.0, pet ownership has skyrocketed. Lockdowns, loneliness, stay-at-home orders all met. People wanted more dogs and cats than ever before. And generally, people wanted more pets than ever before, mainly dogs, And I've been speaking to my colleagues who did get dogs during COVID and paid in excess of $10,000 for a dog. There is a waiting list for obtaining certain breeds of dogs and sometimes you need to travel interstate, as one of my colleagues did, to find the right breed. So the cost of a dog really depends on the demand for that breed and also the breeder's rates. What about dog adoption? It's always an option if you wanted to do that via RSPCA. And I did get some figures from the RSPCA. Um, now, if you want to adopt a puppy under the age of six months, it's roughly the cost of about $480. This is all for dogs. If you want a dog six months or above, then the cost is around $440. And any dog greater than eight years of age, so the very old dogs, unfortunately, are cheaper, which is $220. And I suspect they you know, want people you know, to be more attracted to adopting older dogs who are less likely to be adopted. Um, Now, secondly, the ongoing cost of owning a dog. Now, generally, dogs cost more to own than their feline counterparts, so that's important to know. And over the lifespan of a dog, you're looking at around $25,000 to $30,000 in total. And this works out to be on average about $1,000 to $1,500 per year per dog. So let's break this down further, particularly for the first year. Now, there's going to be some fixed costs, so dog bed and kennel, which is around $100 to $200. Car restraints, uh, which is around $30 to $40. And I wasn't even sure if it's mandatory to have car restraints because every time I've seen a dog in a car, they're freely roaming around in the back seat. So I'm not sure whether this is a state-based law that they need to be restrained, but um, certainly in Victoria, I do see them in the back seats roaming around, sometimes even in the front seat, unrestrained. Um, collar, leash and harness, which is going to be about 100 bucks. Council registration, which is, I think, mandatory, anywhere between $25 to $200. Um, and that depends on whether they're de-sexed or not. So you need to check with your council. And the de-sexing costs is around $200 to $500, depending on the breed. The vet fees, which also depends on your location. Flea and worming treatments for the first year is around $100 to $200. Food, which is around $800 to $1,000 per year, which 
I actually thought was quite cheap given, you know, it's for a whole year costs. Uh, you know, compared to humans, it doesn't really cost much to feed a dog. And also found out in my research that places like Pet Barn, for example, sell higher quality foods depending on your breed. And sometimes your run-of-the-mill products from Coles and Woolies may not be appropriate for your dog and your breed. So you need to check that when you actually adopt the dog or buy the dog. Grooming is around $100 and microchipping is 80 bucks roughly. Name tag is around 10 to 20 bucks depending on the style and you know how you want the name tag to be. And vaccination is around $150 to $250 for the first year, which I again thought was quite cheap. Uh, I was expecting it to be a little bit more expensive, but that's not too bad. Dog training, uh, essential if you talk to most pet owners, um, particularly in the first year, is around $150 to $175, bucks depending on providers. And that's usually a once-off fee for the first year. And toys and treats, roughly around $40 to $50. Bucks. Uh, so minimum, you're looking at about $1,885 to $2,915 for the initial first year costs. And that depends on the dog breed. Thanks give you a wide range in terms of your costs. Now, if you adopt dogs from the RSPCA, often desexing, vaccinations, microchipping, worm and flea treatments are already done prior to adoption. So this can be a huge cost saver if you do adopt. Uh, what about ongoing cost after the first year for dogs? Well, the annual vet checks is around 100 bucks, which again, I thought was relatively cheap. Um, annual vaccinations around $100. And again, you know, give or take 100 bucks each. Flea and worming treatments around 120 bucks. Grooming is around $90 a year. Toys and treats is around $50 a year. And food is around $500 to $1,000 a year, depending on breed and where you buy the products. And I think the first year, I think they tend to eat a lot more. But then the next year onwards, they sort of built up their strength and probably don't eat as much. I'm not sure. So these are all average costs, of course. It really depends on the dog, really depends on your breed, and depends on how much you want to spend on your dog. And a lot of people spend a lot of money on their pets. So it all depends on what your, you know, your, your special dog and how much value that you place on that dog. I suppose if you're owning a pet, you do place a significant value on owning that pet. So on average, you know, between $810 and $1,440 yearly ongoing costs. Okay, so that's pretty much about it for dogs. What about for cats? Now, overall, cats cost less than dogs and usually less maintenance. And uh, if you want to buy a cat, also, it's a lot cheaper. And again, depending on the breed. But if you want to adoption uh, fees for kittens, again, a little bit more expensive. Less than six months, you're looking at $230. Cats six months to eight years of age, you're looking at about $180 on average. And cats greater than eight years of age is cheaper at $140. So again, with cats, very similar to dogs, the older they are, the less expensive they are, as in the cheaper they are. And I suspect that is an incentive to adopt an older cat. Now, let's break down the first year cost for cats. Um, the carry cage and bed is around 100 bucks. The collar and bell, which is around 15 to 50 bucks. Council registration is anywhere between $23 and $201, depending on desexed or uh, not desexed. Uh, desexing costs about $115 to $300, depending on male or female, which is interesting. Um, fairly expensive for cats, I, I didn't realise. Flea and worming treatments, around $100, very similar to dogs. Food and bowls, around $370 and upwards, depending on quality. You're probably looking at about $500 for food per year. Grooming is around $50 to $100, depending on the breed and frequency. 
Kitten vaccinations between $170 and $200. Again, depending on breed. Microchipping is around $60. Name tag, $6 to $20. Purchase of cat, anywhere between $0 to $2,000. So not as expensive as dogs, uh, depending on the breed. Zero because, you know, you might get it for free in an adoption agency. Um, Scratching post. Now, that's interesting. Um, I think cats tend to scratch things. Um, so you can actually buy something for them to enable them to scratch on a repeated basis. And that was between 20 to 150 to 300 bucks, depending on what you want to buy. Toys and treats, um, 30 bucks and onwards. And tray and litter is around 130 bucks to $180. So the total for the first year is around $1,150 to $3,570. And I think that includes the cost of ownership as well in terms of buying the actual cat. So, you know, it's a lot cheaper compared to dogs if you take away the ownership cost of actually buying it. Now, just like dogs, if you adopt cats from RSPCA, often desexing, vaccinations, microchipping, worm and flea treatments are all already done prior to adoption. So that can be a massive cost saving for you. Now, what about ongoing costs for cats after first year? Uh, the product and service and approximate cost Basically, is annual vaccinations and veterinary checks from around eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars. Flea and worming treatments around one hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars. Food is approximately three hundred and seventy dollars and up, so average around five hundred, I think. Grooming is around fifty to one hundred bucks. Litter is around one hundred and twenty bucks. Toys and treats is around thirty dollars per year. And again, the total for consecutive years is a minimum of about eight hundred and eighty dollars for feline pets. Now, what about other pets? Um, I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but if you're looking at birds, adopting birds is around 5 to $20, such as a budgie or a dove or a finch or a pigeon. If you're looking for medium birds like cockatiel or lorikeet, you're looking at $45 adoption fees. And large birds like um, cockatoo or corella, rosella is around $65. And exotic birds like alexandrine parakeet or conua, uh, Eclectus, Indian ringneck. I don't even know what that is, but I just found it online. So it sounds pretty cool. Peacock, if you want to adopt a peacock, um, or a Major Mitchell's cockatoo, anywhere between 150 bucks to $415. Now, I wasn't sure whether you're allowed to actually have a peacock at home. I would have thought you needed to be in a rural area in a farm to be able to own a peacock. So it's interesting that peacocks came up when I looked at exotic birds, uh, but of course they may be subject to individual pricing depending on veterinary services provided. So these birds also need vet services. Now what about pocket pets such as rabbits, guinea pigs and ferrets or rats or mice? They're looking at between $5 and $45 in adoption fees. Um, the thought of owning a rat or a mice gives me the creeps, but... Um, I suppose there are people out there who want to own. And if you're in New South Wales, my understanding is there is a massive mouse plague in your state. So um, it just uh, is something that I'm not interested in. But if you're into rats and mice, there you go. Five to 45 bucks in terms of owning, um, owning such animals. Chickens, ducks and geese and turkeys, between 10 and 40 bucks adoption fees. Goats, sheep and pigs, $55 on average. Horses and cattle, minimum you're looking at $250 to $300 uh, per pet. So 
that gives you a bit of a rough idea about adoption fees for animals other than dogs and cats, but I didn't actually go into the detail of actually owning these things. So they're very, very exotic if you wanted to have them, but mainly most people tend to domesticate with dogs and cats. Now, is there any benefits of owning a pet? Well, it turns out there are plenty of health benefits of owning a pet. Reduce blood pressure, reduce cholesterol, reduce risk of depression, loneliness and anxiety due to benefits of companionship. Uh, and I think reduce blood pressure and reduce cholesterol is because naturally, if you have a pet, you're required to exercise them. And by exercise, you need to take them for long walks, particularly with dogs. So as a result of that, the byproduct is you might actually lose weight. And by losing weight, you might actually reduce your blood pressure and reduce your cholesterol. So there are some health benefits associated with owning a pet. And of course, there's increased opportunities for socialization, uh, obviously not during a global pandemic, but certainly pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, if life ever gets back to normal, it's a great opportunity for you to get together in dog parks or pet parks or have colleagues or friends who also have pets to have some socialization. Now, the obvious risks um, of owning a pet uh, is zoonotic infections from our pets, so need to still maintain good hygiene. Uh, particularly if you're pregnant and cats and litter, etc., and also staying safe with animals in the home. Now, I work in emergency. I see a fair bit of dog bites. And generally speaking, if you get bitten by a dog, uh, almost always you're going to need intravenous antibiotics. Almost always you're going to need to be admitted to hospital. And almost always, depending on the bite, you might even need plastic surgery to wash it out and repair it in theatre. So on a weekly basis, I probably treat about one dog bite a week. So um, with little kids, you've got to be absolutely careful that they don't irritate the dog. And most of the time, we tend to blame the dog, but it's actually the humans that are causing the problem. So that's why dog training and human training, particularly if you have kids, to really tell them not to irritate the dog. Because um, most of the time, um, it's just an accidental bite. It's because humans are trying to make the dogs do certain things. Now, interestingly, if you're non-medical, here's a bit of tidbit that you might actually understand and enjoy, and that is cat bites are more dangerous than dog bites. So a number of times I see patients who've been bitten by cats with significant infection is actually much higher. And when cats bite, they develop to cause more injury when it comes to puncture wounds than dogs, whereas dog bites more sheer your skin, whereas cat bites are more deeper and more pinpoint, more sharper. And cats' mouths have more infection and more dangerous bacteria that can be transmitted into your soft tissue, skin's bones. So if you get a cat bite and you present to me or most of the doctors, we get very worried, probably a little bit more worried than if you got bitten by a dog. Uh, in my experience, I've seen alligator bites, crocodile bites, um, bird bites, dog bites, cat bites, and of course, the dreaded snake bite. So, um, you know, a lot of people have snakes as pets, but you've got to be absolutely certain that, um, you know, they're not venomous because it's a disaster in Australia. If you get bitten by a snake, particularly the most venomous snake uh, possibly in the world, and that is the brown snake. So if you're listening um, from overseas, Australia has some of the most dangerous snakes in the world and also some of the most dangerous spiders in the world. So 
Uh, I have seen a fair bit of snake bites, uh, certainly not uncommon where I work. Uh, it's relatively endemic. And just another interesting fact, if you're listening from overseas, in Australia, it is illegal to kill snakes. So you can't kill snakes. Uh, you need to call a snake catcher, a qualified snake catcher, who will catch the snake. And I think depending on the state or territory, they're only allowed to release the snake within 100 metres or something like that from where they're caught. So you can't just randomly take them into territory that they haven't been in before. So it's an interesting uh, fact that I learned. Um, uh, and you can't kill snakes in Australia. Although anecdotally, when I've spoken to several people uh, who live in farms endemic with snakes, uh, they do kill them, but you're not allowed to. It is illegal and they're protected species in Australia. So hopefully you found this interesting. That's about it for this episode on the cost of pet ownership. Hope this was useful for those looking into pet ownership like I am in the near future. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using or leave a five-star review on all platforms, even better. And please leave a positive review. And in that theme, here is a review I found on Apple Podcast from LJMH1988, who says... Dev's podcasts are essential listening for people who want to be informed about financial concepts to empower you to take control of your own financial situation. Each episode is a high yield and very practical, forming a building block in what will become a strong foundation in financial literacy. Cannot recommend enough. Thank you very much, LJMH1988. Really appreciate your positive feedback on Apple Podcast. And if you haven't left a review, please leave a review. I've just crossed 200 reviews on Apple Podcast. And the more people that leave lovely feedback and review, such as LJMH did, uh, the better it is and much appreciated it is for me. So the more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to these podcasts. And remember, I do it for free. So please keep them coming. Remember to like Dev Raga Facebook page, shout out to questions and comments or topic suggestions. Share this channel with family and friends, Apple Podcast, Anchor, CastBox, and all the major podcasting platforms. And remember, always pay yourself first. Take 20% of after-tax income and put it aside. You're the most important person in your life. It's the most basic thing that you can do. And that's why I repeat it in every episode. And next time, learn about pets, the cost of pet ownership, and of course, the health benefits of pet ownerships, and that it's a serious affair. If you've got kids, you've got to tell them it's an important thing. It is a living, breathing animal. So they need to be really involved in looking after their pets. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 119. And as always, please, now more than ever, get vaccinated and make sure you stay safe. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 